This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Choice. What, what the actual the, the coaches rather than Dean himself? Yeah, we'll come on to Dean uh, later. We debated that at length at the weekend, but what are your thoughts on the, those two assistants coming in? Interesting, of course, I think. Uh, and good evening to, to everyone. Um, a bit concerned, to be honest, Dave. I, I um, used to be a full badge holder and went through the, the process all bit some years ago. And I'm afraid the FA is full of of people who look after each other, if you know what I mean, via courses and networking. Um, they might be good, they might not, but I'm not convinced by the FA label and the excitement of they've won and under whatever European championships is necessarily the, the full picture. Yeah, I mean, both of those were uh, three years ago. Let me come on to uh, Les, because Les has been waiting patiently uh, there as well. Les, um, your oh, thoughts, either. your thoughts, Les, on, uh, you know, we, we, we knew it was going to be Dean Holden pretty much at the weekend, but we still had hopes that we might have brought in somebody half decent coming in uh, above. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying these blokes aren't decent, but we're feeling underwhelmed again, aren't we? Yeah? Uh, No, I disagree, actually, because when we spoke the other day, uh, I was asked about Ashley Williams and Cole Skews coming in. I think these two are a step up from uh, those two mentioned, because at least they've got some form of experience, both in terms of managing and coaching at a high level. My concern is that neither of these guys have been in the championship for a good few years. And I think, was it Millen who had Wigley with him? Yeah. Wigley, Wigley with Steve him. Steve Wigley, yeah, some, that's right. Wasn't he, with, wasn't he with the FA and an England youth team at some point as well? Yes, he was. And we, and we all know what happened there. So I would have liked someone or a couple of people who had more recent experience in the championship. But at the same time, I think it could have been a lot worse with the likes of Williams' yeah. name being branded about. Yeah. Mark, um, you, you know, if we look at this from a recruitment perspective, I mean, the guys that they brought in, Downing and Simpson, um, if you take it out of football and put it in industry, they are working with the apprentices. It's like the guy who leads the apprentices at JLR, he's got 
Jaguar Land Rover, he's got the best of the apprentices around him, right? It's like taking that bloke and putting him in charge of a metal backing factory in Smethwick, where, you know, you've not got people that are technically so good. And, you know, it's a different, it's, it is a big step up going from the England setup to the cut and thrust of football twice a week, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, the only player that, um, having done some research that Downing will know at Ashton Gate is uh, Jay De Silva, who was his captain when uh, England won the European Under-19 Championship in 2017. And look at some some of those players. Um, the problem is that, you know, we've got the cream of the crop of, uh, of, of, of you know, of, 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 England's, of England's talent. But really, this is, you know, this is for the, for the Premier League when it's in the Championship. It's, it's a... It's completely different. What you need is experience uh, alongside some youth and uh, also, you know, some physically adept players. Uh, they're very experienced. As Les said, they're definitely a, a, a step up from a Cole Skuse or an Ashley Williams. I've got no argument with that. But really, I think they're a life raft for, uh, for Dean Holden, who's got no experience whatsoever. I'm surprised nobody's mentioned this at all. What it really reminded me of with this triumvirate is the uh, fourth rock uh, Resilia Burnside triumvirate in uh, in 2000. If you cast your mind back to that, yes, when Pulis yes, Pulis Pulis uh, took Lindsay Parsons with him to Portsmouth after four painful months, and those three came in and did did a quite a good job. Dave Burnside was uh, a youth coach with the England setup, a Bristolian through and through. Been a, a you know a, been a professional footballer as well. I think Downing and and, and Simpson uh, could do, could do a good job. Will they have access to some good some decent players? I don't know. I mean, players like Sacco uh, of the of Arsenal, but you know they they certainly won't be available to him. But. They're used to working with young players, but do we need just young players? Is young players haven't been good at the step up in the championship? The likes of Smodix, uh, Adelakan, uh, Walsh all got loaned out straight away. Even Taylor Moore, who many of us thought really was made a scapegoat last season, should should have stayed around. Are they going to be physically adept to play in the championship? And are they going to be able to wheel and deal to bring in some experienced players as well? The first few games will tell. I'm sure Dean will give of his best. And, you know, good luck to him because whoever comes in, we, we support him wholeheartedly despite our reservations for the board. I, I dislike the spin from Mark Ashton, but let's just, uh, let's just wish uh, Dean good luck and hope the other two can support him all the way. But I can't see us doing anything next season at all. I mean, uh, uh, Febs, I think if you look at uh, the way Dean presented himself uh, in that interview he did with uh, Jeff Twentyman, you can't fault the passion of the guy, can you? I mean, he's like the guy that, you know, he was always going to apply, right? But uh, probably never in a million years did he expect to get it. And he certainly, but, you know, we want him to succeed. The wrath of the fan is really against the board. And I'm going to read later on something that's come from the Supporters Club and Trust, which resonates, I think, which will resonate with most, most fans. But, uh, but sorry, Febs, with uh, Dino, you know, the guy's got passion and let's see if he can do it. Yeah, we've got to give him a chance, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've, I've, I've met the guy a few times. I've had some uh, really good conversations with him about football, about life in general and, and, and other things as well. And I, I think it's, it's fair to say he's a, he's a pretty straight guy. He's uncomplicated. He's very measured and calm. And, and you know, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's doing. Yeah, we, we talked on on uh, Saturday, didn't we, about kind of what I thought were encouraging signs from his five games as caretaker manager. And, and I think, and I think he's, he sounds like he, he's really up for it. And, and, and that's, that's all we can ask for at this point. I'll be judging him, not, not on what he's like as a man, which is, I don't think there's any doubts on, but what he does in terms of his ins and outs, what, what he does in terms of those early, early games and, and all the things that I've seen in those five games previously, whether they, those were just sticking plaster or whether that is his true identity. From what he said earlier on on Jeff Twentyman, it looks like he's pretty fixed on you know, that 3-5-2 system. It looks like he's more worried about what City do rather than the opposition. And, and I think we heard things there without being critical of, a, of Lee Johnson things that he's going to do differently. I really think he's his own man um, and, and I look forward to seeing what he can do. Yeah, Les, um, you know, if you look at, uh, at you know, I don't know whether you heard the uh, interview on Radio Bristol, maybe not, but you have a lot of effort, but, you know, he sort of, he tried hard in those five games that he had, but is he, you, you, I mean, how long, you know, he's got to hit the ground running from day one, hasn't he really, which is four weeks time. Well, it's an, un- it's an unfortunate situation that a lot of the fans don't want him there, which means the knives will be out very, very quickly if things start to go wrong. And I've just read that they've only given him a 12-month contract. Is that right? I uh, don't yes. know. Has anybody else seen that? Fevs or Mark or Steve? Um, yes, it's a 12-month uh, rolling contract, according to Mark Ashton. Now, this is what I don't understand, right? I just listened to the Mark Ashton interview, and he said he was a unanimous choice. We interviewed four people. One, I'm assuming, is Cook. One, I'm assuming, is Hutton, and one other twice. And we all agreed that he was the best candidate, yet they've only given him a one-year deal. Now, this is this has kind of confused me a bit, because he can't be that good if they're only giving him a one-year contract. So that's more pressure on him, as far as I'm concerned, is that he needs to get results quickly, or he's going to be cheap to replace. Yeah, one-year deal. I mean, what do you what do you think about that, uh, that Dave? You know, it's just a one-year deal. That sort of smacks of short-termedness. And are we realistically right in 2021 season off as a season of consolidation? What do you think? I think now on that on that final final part of the question, that's one one of the things I'm really interested to, to hear from Mark Ashton. I haven't heard any, anything that he said so far this evening in terms of what are the expectations on on, on the football on the football pitch. I don't know. So whoever's, whoever's not on mute, it might be worth going on mute because we, we can pick up your, your conversation. Yeah, that might be, that might be in if I stop that. Yeah, that was Ian. Ian's got his radio on. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm really keen to see what the expectation is. My gut feel is the expectation should be top six again um, because I think, you know, COVID financial impacts are, are a levelling of the playing field and I don't see why it should be anything else. Um so that's kind of where I where I am with with, with that. Thank yeah, you. I mean, uh, Mark. I mean, sort of looking at um, the way that you know he's he's set side up in those closing games. He's really he's. He, do you think we're going to see anything really different from him? Do you think these other coaches are going to put some new ideas alongside him? I think you need. Well, I think you, need, you do need something different because he had very little to work with in those five games. Uh, there was no creativity in midfield at all, really. I mean, he brought, uh, he brought Casey Palmer back for a swan song, I think, against Preston. He, he never—I don't think he, ever, he, he started a single game. So there was nobody who could who could pa- who could pass a ball through a defence at all. So we were relying on the majority of those games from playing playing the ball from the wings. 
I think the only yeah. the only time we looked like opening up defences was against Middlesbrough. So that has defined this five games of Middlesbrough game, but the rest of them were, were, were quite ordinary, uh, yeah. in, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Mark, on, on, on that, you say about no creativity from midfield, yet we played Vyman and Patterson in there, who actually produced probably the most voluminous amount of end product from a midfield that we've actually seen for a good couple of seasons. So I, I, I kind of disagree with that. There's no, no creativity. Yeah, it's not, you know, passes through like Palmer to a phobia, but I don't think there was a lack of creativity in there. Well, I think we can. The other thing is the defence needs sorting out to, to, to begin with because last year, the season before last, we had Adam Webster, guy who could bring the ball out of defence. Him and Callas uh, played well and, and Nathan Baker uh, dropped him when he, when he could. Uh, this year, really, we've, we've leaked goals and with a minus goal difference, that was never going to get us anywhere. So that needs that needs sorting. And the other thing is, of course, we're likely to lose... Tamara Shishu and possibly Nicholas Elias. Nicholas I don't think wants to sign, doesn't want to sign a new contract. Got another year to go uh, on uh, because we triggered it. Those two are likely to be off, so that leaves a huge hole in the club, in, in, along with uh, uh, with Corey Smith leaving as well. So it's a big challenge. Yeah, I mean, the we're five weeks behind on transfers. Yeah, the, the transfer window shuts. I think it's on the sixteenth of October. So you know, there's there's lots of wheeling and dealing uh, to be done. Now Ian's now come in the studio. He switched his uh, radio off in the background. I was just lead, reading on the OTIB forum that uh, Twentyman gave Mister Ashton a little bit of a hard time. Paxman esque is how somebody described the uh, interviewing style. Ian, you listened to it. Did mm-hmm. Mark Ashton get an easy ride? And tell us what he had to say and whether he spun it in the way only he can. He he spun it. He didn't get an easy ride. There are some difficult questions to answer. So let me just give you a, a bit of a debrief on what he said. Um, <clears throat> Corey Smith, uh, Dean Holden's decision that he didn't get a new contract. Yeah. Um, Jamie McAllister, Dean Holden's decision that he lost his job. Yeah, because he wanted to bring his own team in. Um, they asked him about the Lansdowne interview on Talk Sport, um, and he confirmed that the job hadn't been offered to anybody else, but he wouldn't name anybody that they interviewed. Uh, they started off with hundreds of applicants, to quote him. They narrowed that down to 10. They spoke yeah. to all of them. Yeah. They then narrowed that down to four. And those four had multiple interviews each. And right through it, Dean Holden was the best bloke they spoke to. Um, so that, I mean, I, I, I'm only telling you what he said. Yeah, uh, they're only giving him a one-year deal. Yeah, what do you think of that, Ian, giving Dean Holden yeah, they, a one-year deal? Well, that doesn't smack I, I, confidence, does it? No, I, but I think it's really sensible, and it's what they should have done with, with Lee Johnson. I mean, Lee should have gone a year ago, right? But notwithstanding that, he should have been on a 12-month rolling contract at best. Now, you don't give people four-year contract, well, unless you're Steve Lansdowne and their surname's Johnson, you don't give them uh, four-year contracts. I don't think people like Guardiola and Klopp and Solskjaer have necessarily got four-year contracts, although they're very highly paid. Um, the, yeah. the point was made on Radio Bristol about the rugby club and how they've brought in a world-class coach and 
spending seems to be moving more on the rugby club uh, than it is on City. Um, that was in, in one of the callers who was, who was doing his pieces on there. Um, the head coach will sign off all new incoming players, as per Lee Johnson. Uh, no one in the recruitment team has left in the redundancies or uh, left the building. There is no target. In other words, if Dean Holden finishes 7th, 8th, he won't be sacked. But the object of the exercise is to get promoted and there will be there will be money to spend and they are working with Jiju and Eliasson on new contracts. But the impression that I got was that he'd... Um, that they won't sign and that they'll probably have to sell them or as, as Mark Ashton prefers to say, trade. Yeah. They'll have to trade them. Don't mention the word. Don't mention the word. Let me come in with Steve there because uh, you've been sat patiently in the background. Um, do you think this increases the power base that Mark Ashton seems to enjoy at the club? And in the same way that Steve Lansdowne said, what was it, 16 years ago, judge me on Tinian, that Mark Ashton will say, judge me on Holden. What do you say to that, Steve? And I'll put that question to to everybody. You know, is, 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 is Ashton's power base increased? And is he likely to say, judge me on Holden? Steve, oh, you go first. Not Steve uh, Scott, by the way. <laughs> Mark, Ashton, Mark Ashton's the biggest elephant in the room and has been for two or three years to me. It's the exact role, how much influence he has. Um, but I'm not a great fan of his. I think business-wise, he's probably very good. Football-wise, not so sure. But this is Steve Lansdowne's call, or John Lansdowne's call, isn't it, between them? This is this is not Mark Ashton telling John and Steve Lansdowne. We went through all this with Lee Johnson. Again, in his interview with Jeff Twentyman, we had the words rigorous process, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's just a middleman for Steve and John Lansdowne to give it some sort of endorsement, shall we say. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and just to clarify, for somebody asking, it, he, uh, Mark Ashton did say it was a one-year rolling deal rather than a one-year deal. Yeah, somebody's uh, question, yeah. a rolling one-year deal or a one-year deal, uh, somebody said, which is it? They're different. And, you know, it's giving somebody a contract, but I think what it means is whenever he gets sacked, he could get sacked in month nine and get a year's that would be my interpretation. Yeah. It's yeah. a rolling one-year deal. Yeah, And I think that's what an average managing director would get in a company, a one-year notice. Now, that's good if you want to get rid of them, and it's not so good if they want to leave and clear off. But most football managers get sacked rather than go on to uh, – Bigger and uh, bigger and better things. Uh, let me put that to question across to uh, Fevs as well while you're there, Dave. Um, increase Mark Ashton's power because in the past, you know, Lee Johnson would have had the Lansdowne's ear, whereas the Lee Johnson connection's gone now. So there's no relationship like there was. Holden's not got the same relationship with the Lansdowne's that Johnson had. So Ashton is the conduit, yeah, and. You know, do you think he would like to be judged on this decision of appointing Holden? What do you think? Yeah, I think if we, we talk about power base, it, it's it's certainly not not gone down as a result of this. But I think what it has done, it's it's possibly increased the the, the risk on on Mark Ashton in terms of his position. And I think it will be a case of 
15 hold doesn't do well, then I, I'm pretty sure Steve and John Lansdowne will, will close ranks and uh, they'll they'll perhaps make uh, Mark Ashton the scapegoat on, on this as, as well as Dean Holden if it doesn't doesn't work out. Um, yeah. So I think he's put himself more at risk with this. I, I think there's uh, certainly from reading one team in Bristol over over the weekend. I really think in the last you know few days there's been a shift of blame from kind of quite a few respected posters on on, on OTIB from moving it away from kind of totally to Mark Ashton to a combination of Mark Ashton and both of the Lansdowns as well. And I, and I think it's, you know, I, I think I mentioned this on Saturday as well. Lee in his, you know, thanks for the time I've had at the club, made no reference to John Lansdowne. I do wonder whether John is kind of got his feet under the table, so to speak, and, and is wielding a bit more influence as well or a bit more com- comfortable in, in, in the shoes that he's wearing. So I, I think I think between all of them, they've decided. But I, I don't think there's any doubt that if it goes wrong, Mark Ashton will, will be the one who... He'll be the one who falls on his yeah. sword. We've got a new uh, contributor coming in. He was trying to get in uh, all the time on Saturday, and that's uh, Adam. Adam, uh, welcome to uh, Forever Bristol City in the room. Um, Ashton. You know, do you think he's the uh, he's the power broker on everything there now, or do you think it's Ashton and Junior Lansdowne that are driving everything? And Steve is maybe not as hands on as we think. Evening, gents. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I think really Ashton Ashton rather is is clearly who's phone is that? Bringing in the, the background. Somebody got a phone. Pull, pull yeah. the bloody thing out the wall. That'll stop there, it then. Uh, right. Oh, that's good. Anyway, yes. sorry, Adam. Come yes, on. Sir. <laughs> yeah. I, sorry. I wonder. Sorry. Right. Go on. <laughs> sorry, gents. I lost lost my way with that. Then. That's what Adam yeah, um, said about. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to Ashton, uh, Dave. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious to me that he's he's holding far too much power. Um, in in regards to to the decision, I mean, I think he, he's thrown a few people under the bus there. If I'm being honest, um, I would like to know really um, what Holden's thoughts actually are on uh, McAllister and those decisions. But for, for me, Ashton's definitely got way, way too much power. Um, and it's, for, for us at the moment, I think it's frustrating as fans. We've obviously got a back, back Dean. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's I think pretty- that's the thing. I think that's the thing, Adam. We've got a back Dean and, you know, he's just the man, you know, he'll carry the cat. I mean, he, you know, if he's successful, the board will feel vindicated. There's no doubt about oh. that. If he's successful, the board yeah. will feel um, vindicated. But uh, Les, I mean, where, where, where did Simpson and Downing come from? Because okay, the recruitment process: a hundred applicants, ten on the long list, four back for the short list. A couple of interviews there. When do you think Simpson and Downing entered the process? Were they in the ten, and we thought we'll have those as well? What What do you think? Because we're never going to know this, but it's pure conjecture. What would you think? I think they've probably made it up as they've gone along when it comes to the assistants. And then last minute, they've pumped for two people who've got experience of working with young kids because that's the, direct, the route that the club want to go down. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised if either of those two were in serious contention for the manager's job. But I'd be very surprised if either of them even bothered applying. Um, but going back to the, Ash- the Ashton thing, uh, this appointment helps him from a power perspective because it means he can still run the show with transfers behind the scenes. But I do think it puts more pressure on him if it starts to go wrong uh, because people will start to point the finger at his direction. This is your appointment, okay, with the Lansdowns as well. I would have thought from his perspective it would have made much more sense to go for someone with a bit more experience, a bigger name, a Hewton, for example, because that gets the fa- fans on side. And if it goes yeah. wrong, 
the fans don't suddenly point at Mark Ashton and say, you got this wrong, you got this wrong, because all the fans wanted it as well. Um, yeah. So in terms of power for Ashton, it benefits him. In terms of pressure, it raises that as well. And in terms of the two assistants, we never, we're never going to know the answer to that, are we? Uh, we don't know if they were identified very early on in the process as people who could support the manager. We don't know if Holden's come in, told he's got the job, and he's then named them himself. Uh, maybe that was the reason why it's length, it, the process has gone on a week or two longer than most people had hoped. Maybe we were negotiating with the assistants. So we really don't know the answer to that. We never will. Let's yeah, just, just, just on that as, as well. Um, Paul Simpson was Dean Holden's manager at Shrewsbury. So there's, there's, there's obviously that oh, link right. there, but, but I cannot find a link between Keith Downing and, and um, Dean Holden. Um, the, obviously, the connection between Paul Simpson and uh, Keith Downing. If that's the case, if that's the case, if that's the case, it wouldn't surprise me then if Holden's come in, told he's got the job a week ago, and said, "I want Paul Simpson. I rate him very highly. I work very well with him, and I trust him." And then maybe Paul Simpson's come along and said, "Well, you want to folk." Have a look at Keith Dow- Downing or Dowling, whatever his name is. Um, so that might have been the process they went through, and that Holden's uh, had a big role to play with them signing on. Yeah, Fe- Fevs again. Um, let's look at the, the, the communications, and this is local press and the club itself. <clears throat> it really has been. I mean, as Gregor, Gregor McGregor, <clears throat> we're all of an age where we remember Pete. Well, some of us, Peter Godsiff. Richard Latham, you know, they knew what was going on inside the club. Gregor McGregor, you know, yesterday morning, on he's putting out there that Corey Smith's going to, uh, in contract talks. I, I almost got the feeling that Gregor was being fed stuff, you know, and, and and then the club, there's been a new, if the club, even when Steve Gerrard was mentioned, yeah, if the club had just said he is not featuring in any conversation, but that Gerrard thing went on for a good 10 days. I mean, Dave, do you think on every level that the media and the club's own communications have been found wanting during this process? Um, I, I can certainly say that the club's communications have been found, been found wanting. I think um, from a Bristol Post, Bristol City reporter point of view, I think, I think Gregor and, uh, and, and the people there have done a done a pretty good job in actually keeping us up to date with what's going on because I don't think we'd have found out anything otherwise. Maybe that's that's mm. that's a good and a bad thing. But but I think I don't think you know Gregor's been sensationalist in, in anything he's written. If anything he's been really kind of cautious in terms of, you know, Gerard and then Hewton. Certainly when Talk Sport and Sky Sports were announcing Chris Hewton was a done deal, Gregor's saying, No he's not and, and so I, I think Gregor's played pretty fair on this. I I get the impression that relationships certainly over the last number of years between Bristol Post and, and Bristol City haven't been great. The Stockhausen relationship went downhill pretty rapidly um, in, certainly in the Steve Cottrell era and I think it carried on a little bit into Lee Johnson but I thought things have, have worked pretty well between Gregor and the club for, for mm. quite a while if not being on a position where you know, he's certainly not ingrained in the club like um, Richard Latham was, for example. Um, and I yeah. just think it's a different world we're living in now in, in social media. But, I, you know, I'm grateful for, for what we've been told by the Bristol Post because we've, we've heard nothing otherwise. Yeah, Ian, what's your view on local media coverage of all of this? Have they just been fed uh, scraps? How do you, how do you, uh, how do you view uh, well, that, anything, that anything that you get from sources at the club, close to the club or whatever is always tainted with it might be wrong. And yeah. I, I, 
uh, Ashton actually covered this when they talked about poor communication with Corey Smith. He said, well, look, the local media broke a story that was untrue on Sunday morning. Corey Smith felt aggrieved by that. So he came out and said, I'm not going to sign a new contract and corrected it and basically said goodbye. And he yeah. said, then we have to try and get out in front of it, which is actually the truth. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think you can criticise the club for that. My view is if it hadn't happened on a Sunday, they would have put it right even quicker. Yeah. But, you know, everybody's entitled to a day off. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Corey, Corey in, asked to be excluded from the last game of the season. So, you know, obviously he had the future in mind at that time. I mean, I saw a rumour, well, and see it, I was told a rumour that Corey's off to Cardiff. That's where he's destination. Well, it was, on, it, it, was on, it was on Twitter. So, I mean, it must right. be true. Mm. Because um, Chris Hewton had the job three weeks ago, according to the Mail, the Telegraph. I think he even got on Sky. Yeah. So, and they're usually pretty good. You've got to be honest. So I don't know what happened there. I think it could have been that Chris Hutton said to people that he knew, I'm really confident I'm going to get this and I reckon I'm going to get it. And then all of a sudden he didn't. I mean, I, like, like Les was saying earlier on, you're never absolutely going to get to the bottom of this unless one of the people involved in the process, and by that I mean one of the Lansdowns or Mark Ashton says, well, actually, this is what happened. Uh, but we're losing uh, a lot of players from the end of last season. And we're also got 12 out of contract in a year's time. And I'd, yeah. I'd, be more, I'd be more concerned about that at the moment. There are some there that I wouldn't be overly bothered about. And I think we should sell now or, or move on now. But there are some that we really want to keep. I mean, I've got Zach Viner on that list, but I can remember something vaguely about him signing a new contract before he went out on loaner. Perhaps I'm thinking of somebody else. So I'd need that confirmed. But, I'll look, I'll look you at know. that for you. Uh, there you go. Yes. Fev's just going to have a look. Let me bring uh, Adam uh, in here. Uh, another point from Adam. I mean, th th there were a few callers uh, on uh, Jeff Twentyman. I thought the opening caller, Matt Withers, who I know writes the report sometimes from the fans' view in the paper, but he spoke very well. Mm. And the club uh, at a very low ebb in terms of the disconnect between the board and the fans over this. And what would, would you agree with that? I mean, it's the obvious right now, isn't it, the way we've been treated, Adam? Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I do agree. But I think really, to be honest, since the start of COVID, the, the whole lockdown, the, the lack of communication, you can even trace it back to as far as the lack of communication with, with season ticket sales. Now, I know the situation we're in, it's evolving, it's, it's always moving, so that does make it difficult. But I just think in what's been met with a wall of silence from the club, um, from start to finish, this whole process hasn't been good. I think with Corey, um, for me, I think it was the right time for him to go. However, mm. I, I don't. I think the way we went about it, the, we would have known before Sunday that he was leaving if it was Holden's decision. My question would be, why was it left for Corey to to come out? Now I know obviously Gregor uh, ran with a story that yeah. wasn't necessarily true, um, but I think it could have easily been dealt with. And again, it comes back to that lack of communication from the club. Um, which, as yeah. you say, Dave, it, it's not been great. It's been frustrating for us fans, but I, I think there's definitely a lot of learning points for the club throughout. This and, and it's interesting here, <clears throat> Blagged and Red, who I think I know who that is, and he's a guy called John. Uh, there's a Bristol City Supporters uh, Trust. Uh, he's he's posted on their behalf, and it's talking about following the announcement, blah, blah, blah. I'd also like to take this opportunity to impress on the club how vital we believe it is for all communication with fans to be timely, transparent, consistent, and empathetic. 
and he talks a bit about the press conference there and some of the quotes about the club having a particular type of person in mind. We've been and blah, blah, blah. And he says, whilst we recognise it's only right and proper of the club not to provide a running commentary during a recruitment process, now that it has been concluded, we would encourage Mark Ashton to be transparent with fans and explaining the thinking behind it, which maybe he has done in that press conference. But the guy from Supporters Trust goes on to say, many City supporters have been angered, bewildered and upset over the last couple of months by the way in which their club has communicated with them. This goes from the option of season ticket refunds being hidden in the small print to belated confirmation of the longest serving player's departure. We've covered that. Series of poorly worded and poorly timed communications has left many with the impression that the club keep, places very little faith on keeping fans informed. However, as you said privately and publicly, we believe that timely and open communications is vital. And at a time when, due to COVID-19, we're unable to have any physical contact with the club by attending games, we would suggest that good communication is essential if the fans are not to feel an emotional as well as physical disconnect with the club. And somebody else said on Twentyman, there's a lot of fans of a certain age who've been supporting it for 40 years or more, or let's say pre-year 2000, that's 20 years now. We are feeling unloved. I mean, Les, you know, I don't know what generation you're in, but I know Ian and myself have been supporting for 50 years plus. What can the club do to bridge any, well, rebuild any bridges that have made, or, or don't they care? It's not, you know, they're not bothered about us. What, what, what do you think, Les? It's interesting that you were saying that, that, that quote, that statement, and the word that kept coming up was fans, fans, fans. For the first time since I've been supporting the club, and I only really got involved 15 years ago or so, I don't feel like a fan anymore. I feel like a customer. I feel like a client. Yeah. I used to travel from Surrey, 45 minutes train into central London, get the coach up, uh, walk to the ground. This was during the Millen days. This was during the McInnes days when it was horrendous. But I kept doing it every week because I felt attached. I felt in the loop. I felt like it was a community club. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. as time goes on and throughout this process, I think it's highlighted, it's moved far more. We all know, we've all seen it coming since Bristol Sport, but it's a lot more like a, a business now, isn't it? And we're treated far more like uh, clients as customers rather than fans. I'd like Mark Ashton, John Lansdowne, the manager, to go to some of the, uh, I don't know, the pubs weren't there near the ground where a lot of fans went to and they used to speak to the fans in like impromptu, com impromptu conferences. Uh, I'd like to see more of that, uh, get meet with the fans, have honest dialogue, and that will feel, make people feel more attached. But I do feel like it's a much more customer business kind of mentality now rather than... Yeah, what's your view, what's your view, on, what's your view on that, uh, Dave? Something you, in, you endorse that they, they you know, and, and what can they do to redress the balance? You know, do they need to come out with something innovative on uh, refunds or season tickets for next year or say what you've paid for season 2021 will be held over until next season because, you know, even now we don't know when we're going to be able to go back into grounds. But uh, this this communication thing, Dave, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, echo what the last two guys have, have said to a, to a large degree. Um, I think in terms of refunds, you know, we know we're not going to be back in the ground when the season starts. So they yeah. must be preparing for some alternative option, whether that's Robin's TV, whether it's refunds for a pro rata part of the season. Um, and we need to wait and see what that's like. I, I think when we 
um, started back up after COVID. I think there was a lot of um, appetite for, you know, to be able to see games. But I think yeah. this appointment will actually have a, a negative effect on some people. And, it, you know, those people who pay £500 for a, for a season ticket, you know, let's just say it's the whole season we're out. I think pe- those people would feel shortchanged by Robin's TV subscription for, yeah. a, for a whole season. So, so I think they need to find a balance of that. On, on, on the comm side as well, um, you know, very much the, you know, as Les has mentioned there, that we're, you know, Bristol Sport. So we have, you know, a head of communications of Bristol Sport, which actually look after the various media teams of, of each of the sports underneath them. And, and we look back to some of the previous form of our media team. And, and some of the stuff has been excellent in the past. And we go back to the gift stuff. We go back to some yeah. of the training stuff that we had when, you know, they went over to Lanzarote or Tenerife or wherever it, wherever it was. And so I think that side of it is, is, is well catered for from a kind of video in point of view. But I feel across our social media and internet channel, I think we miss the mood of the fans massively. And, mm. and I don't know whether this is a Dave Barton thing as the head of Bristol City media, being a rugby man at heart and, and perhaps mm. not, not being able to gauge what a football fan needs from its social media content um, or, and updates of, of communications generally to, to, to what you know, a football fan needs. And, and so yeah. it, it, it hasn't been good, has it? Well, I think what he's saying there is that ever since Adam Baker left or was eased out or whatever, uh, it's not it's not as good as it used to be. But look, we are where we are. We've got to look forward now. Um, Dean Holden, first day in the office tomorrow with the uh, the lead uh, with with the lead coat on. He's the man. Yeah, let's ignore Fam and Eliasson's uh, um, contractual issues. I mean. Uh, Adam, you're still there. Adam, uh, day one, what do you think Dean's, like anybody in a new job, what do you think Dean's objectives are in the next 28 days, which pretty much takes us up to the first game of the season? You know, what what will he be doing? Yeah, will he be on this 24-7 like Lee Johnson claims he was the whole time he was here? Adam? Yeah, I think, I think he will. I don't think it will be, let's make one thing clear with Dean Holden. I mean, he's obviously not the most popular choice, but you can guarantee it won't be for the one to try it. I think with most managers, they come in and look to really sort of um, gel the squad or get the backing of the players. But by the sounds of it, he's already got that to a degree. Um, one thing I did quite like um, uh, well, that I've heard so far um, was the three-five-two. Not necessarily the, the formation as such, but for me, it seems that he's got a clear idea of how he wants to play. A bit like when Cottrell came in. Um, he had a system, he, he signed players for that system and okay, it didn't turn out great in the end, but in that initial success for the start of the first or the double winning season, um, we had a lot of joy and his recruitment reflected that. If that's how mm. Dean's going to go, um, for me, I think that's that's a positive in what has largely been a negative, but I guess it is getting the players to buy in early doors and setting those clear, clear goals to ensure that he's got them all on board and we're working towards really trying to hit the ground running. But um, I think he's going to need all the support he can get, that's for sure. Um, Les, let's assume that we've got 10 million quid to spend and I'm assuming that that is funded out of Eliasson and Fam going, worst case scenario, perhaps, yeah? If we've got 10 million and the emphasis is now on youth, do you go out and you blow it on one bloody good player to pull it all together in the middle of the park? Would you get two £5 million players? Where, where, if, you, if, if you had £10 million, 
to spend. Les, where would you spend it now? Well, the priority, we've got all the players coming back from loan, but I'm assuming Farm yeah. and Eliasson go. They've gone. Well, and that's where 10 well, million cash is coming from. Well, I don't think you spend 10 million on one player, but the first thing they need to do is sign a decent centre midfielder. Uh, because at the moment we've got Nagy, Masengo, Walsh, Morel, all of whom are unproven. Mm. Uh, and if you don't get the centre of midfield right, you doesn't matter who you play against in this league, you're going to get overrun. Uh, so I think we need a proven quality centre midfielder, whether that's four or five million. I think it's about the spine of the team. I think we need another centre-back. Uh, I think we need another striker if Jiju goes. So I think we should think about really uh, looking at the spine of the team and strengthening it with a bit of experience, a bit of physicality. Uh, because I really worry about our midfield uh, without some experience in there. Yeah, Ian. We, yeah, no, that's good. That's a good point. That Ian, we've often talked about midfield and the lack of creativity that comes. And I just looked at Corey Smith's record and Marlon Pack, and you know they've both been stalwarts of the last. Uh, well, Pack was until last summer. Corey Smith, hundred ninety-six appearances five goals and I think a lot of those came in cup matches yeah one league goal in fact yeah I mean, Marlon it, it, Pack on, I know he's gone but you know he's on, there 282 appearances 12 goals Les has hit the nail on the head saying that is the missing link is that dare I say it, the Barry Bannon type player but not Barry Bannon would you agree with that yeah I mean, I'd say why not Barry Bannon if you're going to sell a couple of players I mean his contract's not going to last forever it's Sheffield Wednesday so go and sign him. I, my view, if you look at the side we got now, if assuming Fam leaves and assuming Nicholas Eliasson needs, I think leaves. I think we need a holding midfield player, uh, a left centre back, uh, because don't forget we've had two centre backs leave the club in Ashley Williams and uh, Philip Benkovic. Yeah. And if Fam goes, we need two strikers, one to replace him, and and another one because Benikafobi's gone. Yeah, so, at the end of the season, we lost nine players. Now, mm. uh, uh, the other the other contract you can look up, Davis Cameron Pring, um, yeah. because he was out of contract summer 2020. So now, and I'd like to think no, that he, he, we, there was an announcement back early in July that we exercised the option we had on him. So he's got got until next summer, and he's gone on loan somewhere already, hasn't he, Cameron? Yeah. No, 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 he was no, on loan at Warsaw. Oh, George Cundy. Cundy's the one, and George Nurse is the other one that's gone out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's correct. So, so that means if Cameron Pring's got another year, that means we've got thirteen players out of contract next summer. Mm. No, um, it's 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 said, that, what, what you're Sorry. saying, though, Ian, as we said many times, Les said. It's midfield where it needs strengthening. I mean, Fevs, what's uh, what's your view on the uh, on the priorities? Is it is it in midfield? Well, I think you're probably going to say yes. You agree with us, or maybe not. What do you I, think? I, I don't disagree. When we look at the, the the squad of players we've got, I, I think I'm probably a slightly alternative view, which says I just want better players than what we've got. Mm-hmm. And, if, and and I think I made a, a pretty simplistic view on Otim yesterday which said I'd rather spend two million on the right centre back that saves us shipping fifteen goals than maybe spend ten million on a centre forward who gets us fifteen goals. I know that's a pretty crass way of looking at it. Mm. But I think but I think it's about we need to stop buying clubs in the bag. We need to buy players that are if if we're gonna bring players in, they've got to be better than what we've got now. There's no point in bringing in a 
a right back or a right wing back to to back up Jack Hunt. Uh, yeah, if we're going to play three five two, we need to find someone better than Jack Hunt. If he's not out there, well, we go with Jack Hunt and we go with Viner. That's that's my kind of simplistic way of, of looking at it. So you find out who's available, you find out what money is, and you make sure that they're better than what we've got in the in the current positions. Hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, Steve, who was with with us earlier, and I sorry I had to bomb you out of the studio, Steve, because it's uh, full up. But you've come uh, in with a very good point on the on message. Uh, and if you're still listening, Mark, I say the studio's full at the moment, but if I upgrade to a more expensive subscription, we might be able to get more in. But then some people say we're better having less. But Steve has come in and said we should recruit to a system. Yeah. Now, by a system, do we think that Dean Holden is committed to 352? I heard it in an interview yeah. that I think he used those words. And yeah. I also saw somewhere, I don't know whether it was on Twitter, I don't know what feed it was on, but... Ashton was so say lining up a big deal for Ivan Tony. Now in a clo- in a COVID era, twelve million quid for Peterborough's centre forward. I don't think so. But Fez, three five two is that how we're going to line up next season? Do you think? Certainly, from what what um, Dean said in the Radio Bristol interview, it, it seems that way. That seems like that that's his system that he thought was best for the players we've got. I guess there's still an off chance that 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 could change depending on who we recruit. But you know. We've got to recruit to a system, recruit to one system. And I, I think as well what we saw within those last five games is that actually if you've got a system and everyone knows what that system is and what the individual roles are of those 11 players in that system, actually some players can be a bit more fluid in it as well. And, and we mm. saw that with people like Weinman who, who came back in and played in midfield and then yeah. part of the game went up front when we made a sub and, and kind of yeah. slotted in okay. So, yeah, definitely recruit to one system, you know, no point, you know, I guess, you know, in some respects, if it is 3-5-2, unless he sees Elias in playing somewhere else other than a winger, then he probably doesn't fit the system we've got and therefore we should, you know, try and get as much money for him as we can. Yeah, Dave, uh, Dave, can yeah. I, Dave, can yeah, I, I was going to come to you, Les, so, you know, you'll go next, so come in now, by all means. Yeah, yeah uh, one thing I noticed when Holden was in charge for his five games, two people got, got very little game time, and that was Adam Nagy and Masengo. Okay. Now, yeah. if Holland doesn't fancy them, that leaves Morel and it leaves Walsh. Two and players. Backinson. We've got to throw Backinson in as well because he's 22 now. Yeah. Three yeah. players who have had very little game time at this level. Now, if our two go-to centre midfielders, which is what they're going to be now, Nagy and Masengo, aren't necessarily in favour with Holden, like I think what Ian said is, you're going to need to sign two centre midfielders. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. You know, they... Elias, no, so these people sorry, didn't, didn't, yeah, didn't play one minute under yeah. Holden. Uh, yeah. so, Nagy, Nagy played a, a, a few, but yeah. But the problem so you've got is you, yeah. you're going to have a very overinflated centre midfield, aren't you? Because I think every fan that I've spoken to wants to see Liam Walsh get game time quickly yeah. from the start of this season. Yeah, yeah I agree. But while you've got Nagy on the books, while you've got Masengo on the books, that's a very overinflated position if Holden doesn't fancy them, which I don't and think that's he does. Quite big, and probably, even though Masengo's young, probably quite big wages for a player of that age and uh, relative inexperience, yeah. I would say, as well. OK, I mean, look, let's assume, Ian, we're, it's going to be three-five-two next season. Agreed? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You say that's what he's committed to that plan. So let's try and well, I, I would say it depends. It depends what players he can bring in, Dave. You know. Well, we, let's come we, on to uh, let me come on to let me come on to that about the players because let's try and build yeah. 
Let's try and build, because I think uh, Adam said a few moments ago, it might have been Febs. We, we, we want players that are better than what we have. And far too often, we've gone out and we brought in two mediocre players when we could have got one really good one and for wages and everything like that. But let's build a side for next season or a 22-man squad to play. And let's build it from the back, right? So let's start with goalkeeper because we're being linked with another goalkeeper as well. But guys, right, let's look at goalkeeper. Bentley number one with O'Leary number two or Bentley number one with... O'Leary out on loan and a replacement for uh, uh, Mempar. So I'll go through each of you. Yeah, so we agree on goalkeeper. So Fevs, Bentley one, O'Leary two, or Bentley and loan in goal? No, definitely, definitely, definitely Bentley and O'Leary. Um, yeah. I guess we'll probably always have a third, so it's probably Wallacott there. Nicky Mindpar, massive fan of him, but I think, you know, it's time for him to, to move on. And unfortunately, Max, if you want to make it in the championship, you're going to have to bide your time. And you're going to have to, you're gonna yeah. have to sit on that bench and wait for Bentley to have a shocker or get an injury. That's life as a number two, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, like the guy at Arsenal who played in the cup final, you've been waiting for ages. Les, would you agree with that? Bentley and O'Leary or Bentley and Aloney? Uh, no, I'd say Bentley and Aloney. I don't think Max O'Leary's necessarily ready to jump in at this level. I thought he did all right when he came in last year, but I think he's still young and he needs game time. So I'd rather we went for an experienced line on the bench, go in game time. Uh, elsewhere, then maybe the season after, uh, yeah. that would be his next step to move forward. Ian Bentley and Loney, or Bentley and O'Leary. Well, not trying to be awkward, but the problem you've got with Max O'Leary is he's out of contract next year. So, well, you should be trying getting... to tie him up now, then, really, shouldn't you? Well, if yeah. he, no, my, my point option, is, Ian, again, what, what starting next year or starting this year? No, starting next year. Oh, so, right. so okay. So effectively, he's under contract for two years. What yeah. What did you say about Viner, Dave? I haven't yeah, come on to that yet. We just got yeah. one, he's got one year option as well. So, he's so he's effectively he's effectively got two years. Yeah. yeah. So if they got a one year option if, next year. They've got two years yeah. from the start. Yeah. Of the well, season. the one. Well, the one you've missed is Rene Gil Martin. God knows what why well, we signed God, him and what he's doing. Got him and Warcott when you got Pat Mountain as goalkeeping coach. But let's just part that. So I think we're pretty much agreed that it's uh, and Adam, sorry, I forgot you, you're on the bottom there um, uh, Bentley and O'Leary he's got to bide his time away because he didn't let us down when he did play or are we split, I think Les said Bentley and Loney Split, split. No, I, I, think, I, I mean in, in normal circumstances if you like I would probably go with what Les said uh, I think we've probably yeah. got to cut our cough accordingly at the yeah. moment, for me I think with, with the other players we're going to need especially if Holden is going 3-5-2 there's going to be some work needed to be done on that squad we've also got to be mindful of the fact we've still got players to shift and I'm sure we'll discuss that in a minute Yeah, um, but, but for me I think almost the situation and the fact that um, there is potential still with O'Leary even though I'm not convinced I think we've got no for me it would be crazy to get in a lone keeper when there's there's no real need for it at the moment assuming Bentley is going to be number one of course yeah okay so that's that's the goalkeeper right let's look at the back three now for me um, Taylor Moore and Callas nailed on for two of those three slots anybody disagree with that Taylor Moore and Callas Two stars without, without question. Anybody, yeah. anybody disagree with that? Yeah? No. No. Right, so we agreed on that. So then we're left with, right, then we're left with, right, Signo Baker, yeah, and Viner. 
And how many others do, do you... And we've lost Ashley Williams there, and we've lost Benkovic, as Ian said a moment ago. So Taylor, Callas, right, Baker and Viner. Do we need to strengthen credibly, or is there enough there? And if we bring somebody in on the basis that they've got to be better than what we've had, is it Taylor Moore, Callas, and a better player? Yeah. What do we what do we no, say? I think, on that? I, think you, I think you need quickly, to, you first on that one. Then what do you think? You need to you need the three you've got. So yeah. if I was picking the team tomorrow, from what we've got, it would be Callas, Taylor Moore, and Baker. Yeah, that's the and best you, three you, we've got. You you, yeah. you you sign another left sided centre back, not forgetting that Zach Viner can play right back or right wing back, or in an emergency he can come in as a centre back. So yeah. I don't think there's a huge amount to. Um, and he's also got the advantage of a long throw. So yeah. I don't think there's a huge... We're covered. We're to, reasonably to, covered there, aren't we, then? Yeah, yeah. But we need one there. Yeah. Les, what do you think? What do you think of the centre three? Well, well, firstly, I would rule out Ashley Williams coming back from, from what I've read today there, having talked. So it wouldn't surprise me if he came back as like a player-coach role to give him some experience and then be a backup. Um, I'm not sure. I think Baker's got one year left, hasn't he? So yeah. I agree yeah. with Callas. I agree with Taylor Moore. I was really impressed with Taylor Moore. I was very surprised yeah. they loaned him out, especially to a League One club. Um, and I think we should get a new signing. Don't spend eight million like we did on Callas because in these times it's obviously not feasible. But a proven championship centre back who can play in a three. There's a left-sided one, I think, at Cardiff, whose name escapes me at the moment, who's been mentioned. It's not somebody called Bennett. I don't know. Uh, Fevs, you agree with that, though, that, you know, yeah. in, logically the, the, the starting three would be Taylor Moore, Callas and Baker, yeah, and then Viner hanging around and maybe another signing. Adam, do you agree with that as well? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, as, as, as Ian said, really, if we pick the team tomorrow, that back three picks itself. My only concern... Uh, would be the fact that with Baker, you can't guarantee 46 games. So like the yeah. others have said, we definitely need one. Need backup. Um, yeah. Possibly possibly two, if if finances allow, maybe on a loan, because we, we just can't trust... Any Baker youngsters coming through that we don't know about, that, you know, because as somebody's pointed out there... That oh, uh, not, not, Marcus no, listening to us now. Uh, Greenland. Just on that I think if you're going to commit to playing a back three, then you've got to have, and this is going to sound, sound stupid, you need four and a half centre backs. Yeah. And, and especially with Baker as well. And I think Viner's, Viner's half of your centre back because he gives you your flexibility elsewhere. And we'll talk about right wing back in a sec. Um, yeah. I think what you need is that you need another. And I'll, I'll use the phrase again: better centre back than what we've got. Yeah. And I would be, you know, I don't think we'll get this guy, but this is the kind of guy that we should be looking at, and that's that's Matt Matt Clark. Oh, um, the ex Portsmouth mm. player, ex Portsmouth, who went to Brighton last summer, yeah, and who ended up in Derby at loan. And, and I think he's the kind of player; he's a good ball playing centre back, yeah. he's left left side. That makes sense. Someone, someone like that on loan, maybe. Yeah. And then, yeah. That's, kind of, that's where so, my head's going. So looking at it so far, then, so we've got the goalkeeper sorted. That seems sound. Central three looks good. Let's look at the wing-backs. And we start on the left because that's easier to look at. If you start on the left, you've got Jada Silva, who I don't think he's all that myself, or Tommy Rowe. Yeah, would you say that's the either-or in that slot, guys, the left wing-back? Well, don't forget you've got Cam Pring, who was out on loan to Warsaw, and he's got the advantage over he's James Silva. He's got height, hasn't he? He's the kid's six foot three tall, and, and he can run like a gazelle. Yeah. 
Uh, and he's a decent footballer as well. You know, he's not yeah. just a sort of kick it up in the air merchant. So no. I'd, I'd include him in, in the first team squad at, yeah. at left back. And then to cover that side. Three. Yeah, not, that's good. Not forgetting Roe can play midfield as well. And, of and course. in there a couple of times when we were stuck. Yeah. I mean, Les, Jada Silva in the starting lineup, left wing back. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about and that. Favors, would you think... agree with that? Favors, would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, and Adam probably the same as well. So Jay's in there, so that's not bad, and he's known to the coaching side because of the under twenty. Right, first problem position I think we've hit on is right wing back. Right, Pereira is gone, probably won't be coming back. Jack Hunt is in pole position with Viner being able to play there. That is an area of concern. Uh, first of all, uh, Les, let me come to you on that, Les. Yeah, well, I mean that's our weak position. Probably our weakest position on the on the pitch. I'd like us to sign someone. I think someone like Darnell Fisher at Preston. I think you could probably get him for three, four million. I think he'll be a huge upgrade on what we've got. Uh, I think Jack Hunt's far too inconsistent, and we've got to look at replacing him with Viner as backup. That's my view. Yeah, Adam, what what do you what do you say? I mean, you know, there's a name being mentioned as a possible acquisition, but uh, you know, Jack is unfortunately is 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 that's the first problem position we've hit on there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, for me, I mean, Hunt, Hunt is definitely the wink link. My only problem is, I would actually probably say Viner is probably at his best on the right of a back three. I think he would be square peg in, in a round hole um, yeah. if we look to get him to cover. So, for me, I would even be, be looking really to to sort of buy buy someone as a mainstay and then Hunt, if he accepts, as, as a backup, really. I think that is a real problem position and we need to get someone in. Okay, so then we come to midfield, right? Now, if we're saying... Liam Walsh is nailed on to start. Yeah. Then we are I'm left not. with all right. Who okay. Okay. Who who said who said they're not? Is that you, Fev? Yeah. Well, tell me why. I I think we if we look at the way Dean played the, the three in, in his last five games, I, I think some he's gonna play someone like Patterson, okay? As the as the creative player. And that might be mm. Patterson, it might be Walsh. It might be Palmer, you know, I, I don't know. But I think we're, we're looking at one of them is going to be the more flair player in there. So I think we've got two two slots left. And and, and I don't think that is necessarily Liam Walsh. I think midfield this season, condensed schedule, is going to be probably about perming those three positions quite regularly throughout the season and making sure they're all sharp. So I, I don't know, per se, how it's, how it's going to work. If I was looking at it today, now knowing that Corey Smith's gone, I'd say the most suitable we've got as a let's call it a niggly break up the play defensive midfielder or player at the base of that midfield is Joe Morrell. Yeah, but I don't think you can get forty six games out of him. No, um, but that's, and, that's, no, and that's the issue. It is going to be yeah. So I think so let's have all we've got, got to talk about with you guys. Let's have you all naming right first game of the season. Let's say it's at home to. Uh, well, Darwin. We playing, no, don't matter it? who. All right, first game. They've all trained well. There's no injuries. Fed's in the. We've done. A, we're doing a three-five-two. Who are your three central midfielders? Commit yourself here now. Who do you start with? Yeah, against any team. Yeah, because they're all much of a match. So you're three. Yeah, and um, you can have a new. You can have an unnamed new signing, or you can have two new signings if there if you want. But yeah. so Fed's. What what's your I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably going to say new signing plus yeah. Morel plus Patterson. New signing, Morel and Patterson. Les? Uh, new signing, Liam Walsh and 
one of Patterson or Palmer just in front. Yeah, I'm going to write this down and hang you on this. Yeah, so sorry. <laughs> so new Walsh. New signing, Liam Walsh, Walsh. either Patterson or Palmer. Pato, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay, got well. Either or, which, which one, if you had to pick one, yeah, of those two. Yeah. Uh, I'd say Casey Palmer's got that bit of magic, so let's have it. All right, Palmer. All right, Ian, what's your, uh, what's your three starting off? Well, I'd do it slightly differently. That I'd play a three-four-one-two. That still involves three players. So yeah, that's I'd what I'm looking at, Ian, as well. In fairness, Patterson being yeah, that more advanced one. I, I'd either have Pato or Palmer as is the one behind the two. Yeah. And my midfield would be the two wing backs, and I'd probably go for Joe Morrell and Liam Walsh. So no new signing for you in there, even though we've said well, that for the week. If we can, if we can bring in a top class or. A, a, a championship top quality holding midfield player, a bit like we said, we need a left-sided mm-hmm. centre back. I that's that's the player I would be most interested in bringing in because we haven't got one of those now. Masengo could hold, but the last time I saw him play at Blackburn, he looked like he put on a load of muscle and lost half his technique mm-hmm. um, because he was just kicking everything that every, every player that went anywhere near him. Somebody's obviously got in his ear and said, "You need to toughen up a bit." And and he was he was booting everybody and nearly got himself sent off. Yeah. So I, I don't think over the season I don't I think Naj is neat and tidy but he's a bit meh really and he's another one who you know if he's got a bone spur in his ankle he, he won't see him for three. Well, months if you could let, if you get get him out you probably if somebody came in with an offer you probably wouldn't be too upset if he left. No, uh, but the un, the unknown quantity I think is Tyreek Bakinson who did very yeah, well. Nobody's on, mentioned it. Yeah, no, he's done. Now, he's had a full cool season, could, didn't he? Yeah, and he's and got he, the physique as well. He's tall. Yeah, and he's he's I think he's a, not purely a holding player. I think he's a box to box player. Not forgetting we paid a lot of money to get him out of Luton. Mm. Um, so it could be something as young as uh, Bakinson, Morrell and Walsh. Beyond yeah, I, that think height, I think Morrell and Walsh are both very similar in height and therefore, but as you say, putting Bakinson in, that does compensate. So I want to push on to Adam. I mean, what's your midfield three? Well, I think for, for starting, on, uh, it has the basis to be a what everybody else has said. Where, where would you have it? It has to be a new signing for me. Yeah, I think so we're all, I think we're all agree. Yeah. worryingly yeah. lightweight really I mean we've got there's some there's some good ball players in there but we are very very lightweight and obviously inexperienced in terms of championship level so I think with what we've got at the moment it would for me starting I would have to go with Walsh uh, Morel and I would go Patterson in the 10 role don't forget Smodix either obviously it could be a big season for no, him. I was just I was uh, just going to say that actually everyone... he did very very well out at Peterborough and that could yeah. be the connection with Ivan Tony coming yeah. down yeah. here possibly yeah. and I, I would probably say for me for, Based on what I've seen at the moment, I would probably put Smodix ahead of uh, Palmer in the pecking order. Just we all know Palmer's got ability, um, but we're, we've we've not seen it on a consistent basis yet. Um, goes in and out of games too much. So yeah, for me, we need a new signing without a doubt to add a bit of physicality and steel yeah. um, to, to work around the good young players we've got. If not, I do worry. I do worry with what we got. We might get a bit overrun in there. Well, yeah, I think Steve has just said relying on Backett and Walsh and Morell as a midfield three smells of relegation, maybe. But new signing seems to make the difference there. All right, let's move to up front. Um, we've lost Fam. Uh, new well, we signing have, we have, plus. We haven't lost um, him yet. But, no, but we're making an assumption that he's gone. No, but I, I'm assuming for the purpose of this exercise yeah. we have. Okay. But so let's assume we have. Yeah, 
then new signing has to be a fan, which is an Ivan Tony, but not of that money, probably half of that. Um, Let's come to you first. Naki Wells plus new signing or Naki Wells, Naki Wells plus new signing. I think we need some quality up there with him. Assuming yeah. firm goes, I don't, I don't think Vibin's the answer. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think we need a new player in assuming that firm goes to play with Naki up. Front. Yeah. Ian Naki and fam look alike, if not fam himself. Yeah. Well, the only problem that you've got with doing that, if you play Naki Wells and somebody like Ivan Tony, you're going to have to play a lot of football because they're not very big. I mean, Naki Wells is five foot six. I'm taller than Naki Wells. Is that so, right? Okay. T- yeah. Tony people, I thought Tony was. Or am I getting confused with the Charlton Athletic? Who's the, who's the Charlton Athletic bloke oh, that keeps getting Bond or Taylor? mentioned? Taylor. Taylor. Oh, Taylor. Taylor. I, I'd like. Yeah, but he's 30. So he, well, Lyle, sorry. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, but Lyle Taylor's free. Mm-hmm. You, right. you could go and get Lyle Taylor. You have a nice signing. He's going to Celtic. Is he gone? He's going to Celtic, I think, Tyler. Oh. Well, so so was Ivan Tony. It's, it's a little bit like Fam. I mean, he's one of, of about 12 players that's going to go to Fenerbahce. I mean, they can't sign them all, can they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it, look, we, if we wanted to get Ivan Tony, we've got a decent relationship with Peterborough and their chairman. They always say, I want 26 million for this bloke and he's the best player ever. And then they sell him for four. Yeah, and it'll well, be, it'll be great. isn't it? Yeah, it'll, yeah. It'll, it'll, <laughs> I don't blame. I don't blame them. You've got him, and you've got um, Fatty there, haven't you? What Barry? What's his name? Fry. Barry Fry. <laughs> Barry Fry. I mean, yeah, he's a used car salesman. He, I, I actually, I think he's comical <laughs> at times, but they they will want to get the best deal for their players, and they're very good at picking up these kids like Tony. Yeah. So, but I I think we could get him. I don't know. Let's say five or six, and a promise. And it's very easy to make that promise and say, look, if we get promoted, we'll give you another couple of million. Yeah. yeah. You can do that. But, you know, if you look Pro, at the, yeah, the, the contract, yeah. Fevs, um, Naki, do you think he's settled here, Naki? Because he seemed to have a little bit of a mopey face. And then he seemed really pleased when Johnson had gone, just reading the backstory on the Twitter comments and what have you, really pleased and all that. Uh, with, well, do you think Mac is settled here and we build the strike force around him? Yeah, I, th- I think it was pretty uh, clear when uh, Holden's name was mentioned, he was one of the people to, to retweet as well, wasn't he? I think so. <laughs> I don't think... It, Johnson called him out three or four times in a, in a couple of months here. I don't think it's good for a striker's confidence to, to, to do that. So I'm hoping he's settled. I don't know. I saw flashes of the Naki Worlds that I've liked for a long time in some of those yeah. games. And I saw some pretty atrocious stuff from him as well, where, you know, as soon as the ball went into him, you know, it was the end of the move. But um, I probably, I'd probably, I, I, I'd like to see a new striker in. But if I thought it was a choice between getting that central midfielder and getting a striker, I'd go for the central midfielder and I'd, yeah. I'd go with, with, with Vyman. And then I'd maybe look to bring in a younger striker. To maybe, yeah. I mean, we've got number, we've got nobody coming through in the under twenty threes in that striker position, have we? Or have we got some young kid who's nineteen, twenty that hasn't hit the headlines at all yet? Do you know? Or, yeah, I don't. Or I, I don't think there's anyone of say the Semenyo caliber that was knocking on the door. You know, I don't think any of them are particularly. In fact, well, we've, we've forgotten. We've got Semenyo back though, haven't we? Yes, because yeah, he's yeah, been with the so, so I, I think it, it's time for him to, you know. 
knuckle down and, and see if he yeah. can force his way in. I think I'm going to throw a couple of, of other strikers, a couple of other names in here, and then I'll come to Adam in a minute. Um, uh, Green and Mark, he's pointed out Celtic are not interested in signing Lyle Taylor. That was in the Celtic Star on the seventh of August. Steve has said, "How about Hugill, who linked well with uh, Naki Wells at QPR?" They were talking about signing him. Don't know where they got the money from. Um, and then there's this, uh, Mark has also said, uh, is it Jenna, who's a young player? I've forgotten about him. And Freddie Hines, who was sort of on the periphery. He was named in the match day squad, albeit it was a 20-man squad. But uh, Adam, I mean, what's your, uh, I won't say solution, but what's your ideal strike partnership come September the 12th? If it was me, I'd be going all out to keep fam. I think that would be for me more of a priority than than Eliasson because it's clear that if he's if Holden's going to go with that system Eliasson won't fit in. I don't think for the money we'll be able to spend we'll be able to get more proven than Fam. That's my only that's my only worry. So I'd be looking to try and keep Fam obviously to to complement Wells, even though I think there's there's definitely work to be done on that partnership. Uh Vibram for me blows hot and cold. I'm not I'm not sure he's up to it. So we definitely need another striker. I know no Dave was saying that uh we, we, he would go for a midfielder, but I think if, if you're under the assumption Fam goes, uh, then we are looking awfully lightweight up top and, and there's not a lot of goals up there. So for me, we definitely need to get someone else in, uh, whether that is someone like Tony. I, I think Tony would be complement Fami and um, Wells really, really well. And then it would probably maybe take a bit of the pressure off someone like Semenyo. Um, yeah. Not entirely sure he's up to it, but we do need reinforcements up top as well. Yeah. So I think to summarise, guys, what we've said is that we need a new right wing back. Yeah. Uh, these are priorities to sign. new right wing back and a, a very, very good midfielder. Yeah. And then the marginal positions are an extra person in the back four or the defensive six and a striker. Right. I always said Johnson built a side in his own own image of mediocrity, not a leader. Who's the captain of that side? And I'm going to throw a name in and he asked for it and he didn't and he got bombed out after he was captain against Shrewsbury. I'm going to say Taylor Moore has probably got more about him than Callas. So who's going to captain that side? Uh, Ian, you first on that. Captain of that well, side. If we if we bring in a I don't know, a Khalifa Cisse, Jerry Gow type midfielder then I, I I wouldn't worry about how long he'd been at the club um, I'd make him captain I don't think out of all those people you know even Big Callas and Baker there's a natural leader uh, oh by the way we were talking about Naki Wells and Twitter he's just uh, no. uh, he's just retweeted uh, let's go to work uh, Dean Holden will be assisted by Keith Downing and Paul Simpson who have more than 40 years coaching experience between them at all levels of the game so Naki Wells just picked up on that and he's retweeted, let's go to work with a big arm, arm muscle there. So, you know, well, that's just one player. I mean, you can't put too much in, in, no. into that. No. But um, So you, would you agree with me, Taylor Moore, then, as a possible? Or on paper, it would be, well, Taylor Moore, Callas, or an inspirational midfielder. That's, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, I, and I'd like, like to say, in terms of strikers, I'd like to see City sign two, Taylor and Tony, if Fam goes. Of course, okay. yeah. Les, you, captain you, for you in that in that lineup. Uh, a Gary O'Neill type player. When he came in, I think he was made captain straight yeah. away. And I don't yeah. think there's a natural leader in that side. I don't think Taylor Moore's ready for it on a consistent, regular basis. I don't think Thomas Callas is a leader no. in the vocal sense. So I think it'd either have to be a new signing or possibly Bentley in goal. Uh, but I think we're really clutching at straws without a new signing. Yeah, Adam, 
Skipper? Yeah, I'd pretty much echo what uh, Ian and um, Les have just said there, really. We've not got no natural leaders. Obviously, it's going to yeah. be a young, young side this year. For me, if, if it was tomorrow, I would say Callas, but... As the other two are referenced, there's no, he's not on that. He's not displayed leader. any um, leadership. He was a bit bang average last season. Yeah. Dave, any thoughts from you on that? No, nothing to add from what the other guys have said. I mean, I have to say, I think the second half of this podcast has been a lot better than the first, actually, because I'm feeling a little bit more positive because the first half we were bitching about it, but we got a guy at the helm now who's going to try his level best. The two guys underneath him, they have got 40 years coaching. It's either going to go really well or it'll go wrong spectacularly I don't think there's any half measures on this I mean I feel that having talked about the team it just shows that we have not got that bad a squad with a few tweakings I mean do we feel now we've had that chat a little bit more optimistic than we did maybe 48 hours ago uh Les I come to you first on that uh I think we've got a couple of signings. We're a solid championship side, but of course, the talk of the last few years has been Premier League football. It wouldn't surprise me if this season was very much a period of transition yeah. and that with so many players of one-year contracts and coming towards the end of their time here, it wouldn't surprise me if next season or the season after this one coming would be a bit like the season we got promoted from League One. A yeah. stack of new people coming in, paying a decent wedge, a lot of dead wood gone. So I think this season... Right off. Could be about stability. No, not a write-off, but no. stability, cons- consolidate where we are, and then the season after that would, wouldn't, would be the time to really push on. Yeah, Adam, your thoughts? Final thought yeah. from you. S- similar to Les, I think, um, like really, for me, I think we'll be looking at stability. Um, it will actually be nice to probably see, uh, hopefully, an attacking brand of football where we're a bit more formidable at home. If that comes maybe top 10, then I think we'd all, in the cold light of day, probably accept that. Um, but I, I certainly don't think on the base of it at the moment, hoping to be proved wrong, of course, I don't think we'll be anywhere near playoffs. No. Ian, feeling a bit more positive now that we've talked about it? I am, and I'm a bloody pessimist, you know, usually. But No, yeah. I, I, look, I mean, we all said what we wanted to happen, or a huge number of City fans said it, and every poll you looked at, irrespective of the source, wanted Hewton. Nobody had anything really against Dean Holden. Um, but I, I described it today a bit unkindly, I must admit, is basically we had three coaches. We've we've uh, got three coaches and one of them is the bloke that's been in uh, BS3 all the time when we've conducted a global search. So if you follow that, if you follow that logic through... Yeah. You've got, you know, you, you, you're saying that the best available coach in the world, because it was called global, let's not forget it, <laughs> is Dean Holden. Now, yeah. I've got nothing against the bloke, and I thought he was absolutely outstanding on Radio Bristol. Let's get that said. He yeah. said, and he meant it. It wasn't spin. It wasn't bluster. It wasn't yeah. overconfidence. He absolutely meant it and yeah. felt it. And you could hear the... Hear the passion in his voice. So my own view is: is listen, I hope we win. I hope we win the championship. Uh, it would depend very much on, I think, two things. One is injuries, and the other is who we sign. Yeah. So and that's you, key. You and know, that's over there. And we've got six weeks or more because with the extended transfer window. So well, you sound pretty positive, Ian. Then really to a point, yeah. Because we always well, felt I, that I, Johnson I, had the tools, but he couldn't get a tune out of them. 
Well, I, I think I take pick up on your a point you made a lot, Dave, about well, we've signed four two million pound players when what we should have done was gone out and signed two four million four pound million. players or, or one eight million pound player. Not, well, totally two at four, and then the wages, and that's always been a bit of a problem. Just to finish up with the. Dave uh, Fevs, uh, feeling bit, you've always been positive throughout yeah. all of this. You've become, and you, I'm starting to feel it a bit now. God, he's on drugs and it's infectious. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to that, that last point we made about, you know, the one eight million pounds player or whatever. And, and, and I guess it doesn't have, and I, I think I made this point on a, on a podcast a few weeks ago, it doesn't have to be an £8 million player or the most expensive player. No. I think when we signed Tammy Abraham, it gave the whole playing squad a massive boost. Yeah. I think that's kind of what we need. We need one yeah. of those players to come in and galvanise the rest of the team and think, yeah. God, yeah. we've got this guy alongside us. We've, I need to work my backside off to make sure... And let's be fair, four him. years ago, Gary O'Neill, I thought... yeah. He was that person because he'd Tra- had the Travis promotion. because of injuries, really. I think I know. But he did. He did. Guys, look, it's been another long one. We've had a record number of uh, people in the live studio. We had our best ever downloads. We're still not up with the OSIB people, but, you know, I'm not bothered about that. I'm enjoying this, having a chat. I think when Lee Johnson went and we were tempted with uh, uh, Chris Hutton, we thought we were going to get the uh, bottle of Bollinger for the managerial appointment. Uh, we've got an Aldi bottle of Prosecco, but having drunk it myself, <laughs> that can be quite nice on occasion. I thank you all for joining in tonight. Those that got dropped out, Fevs, Les, Ian, Adam. Uh, good night to you all. I don't know when we do the next one. We'll do it soon. I'll be doing a one-on-one with Steve Scott. He's apologised. He had some technical difficulties. But guys, thanks a lot for your contribution this evening. It's been great. Thank you very much. All the best. Thank you. Thanks, no everyone. Problem, Cheers. Cheers. Keep smiling. We will.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.